Welcome to Financial R&R, a show dedicated to financial insurance and risk management solutions and trends shaping the market today. Here are your hosts, Ron Boris and Ryan Farnsworth. Hi, this is Ron Boris with the Alliant Financial Institutions team. Um, I'm happy to be back here again today with uh, Ryan Farnsworth and Steve Chappelle. Uh, today we've reassembled to talk a little bit about what's going on in the marketplace, obviously having Steve uh, as part of our team now uh, enables and gives us sort of a, an opportunity to, to sort of really dive into some of the legal trends and risk issues that uh, underwriters are, are focused on and, and, and largely uh, what they're saying is, is driving sort of rates and, and sort of changes in coverage terms. So uh, with that, uh, Ryan and Steve, let's just get right at it. So um, Steve, you know, obviously this is probably one of the hardest markets that we've seen in, in over a decade, certainly um, since the financial crisis and, and maybe even since 9-11. You know, underwriters are are concerned about the the capacity and and the risk that's out there relative to the limits they have exposed. What do you think is driving their concern? Yeah, it's it, it is a, a frequency issue, um, as we have seen over the decades. Right, insurers do a really good job of, of you know ratcheting down their capacity to address the a severity issue, but it's the frequency issue that they're they're struggling with. The four hundred plus suits a year, um, you know, you know, at attachment points and reduced capacity doesn't really give them the protection of of the exposure um, to this increased litigation because you know they're getting hit with sheer numbers as opposed to the severity of you know capacity of a ten million limit versus a five million limit. If if it's twice as many of those claims. That's problematic to the market. So it, it is largely driven by um, the the frequency versus the severity, and then the astronomical cost, the, the cost on, in these claims, these FI um, and management liability claims, increased so much over the past few years, from you know, five, six, seven hundred dollars an hour a decade ago to you know two two thousand dollars an hour. For certain claims in certain jurisdictions, so that is that is one of the significant challenges that underwriters are trying to address in this hardening market. And I think one of the things, Ron and Steve, that our clients are really trying to focus on is the contract language, is their ability to differentiate their risk in the marketplace as they as they talk with and speak with underwriters. Investors are trying to diversify their approach to investment, right? We've seen a SPACapalooza, if you will, this year, right? There's been three times more SPAC launches this year than any prior year, and the gross proceeds from this year dwarf last year's activity by more than 4x, right? And and we've seen a lot of SPACs, you know, special purpose acquisition companies uh, or blank check companies come through the marketplace that have taken a lot of underwriters by surprise. Quite frankly, they've taken a lot of investors by surprise, but I guess we shouldn't be surprised about anything we see in 2020 anymore, right? Um, but there seems to be a lot of attention from DNO underwriters now that this influx of, of SPACs have come across the market. Steve, what, what, how do you think a, a, an underwriter or a client uh, or a management board should approach what we've seen in the SPAC world recently? Yeah, it, it's great issue, right? Uh, the, you know, these special purpose acquisition companies, SPACs, um, have exploded. So five years ago, there were you know a little over three billion dollars of SPACs across thirteen different IPOs. This year, this year so far, right? There's over there's thirty four 
billion, right? That that is an unbelievable pace, and and it's really concerning the underwriters, um, correctly, because you know we're we're all trying to anticipate what what are the claims going to look like? Because the plaintiff's bar, as we all know, is clever, and and we will see litigation while while the litigation has not come in at the same pace as kind of traditional shareholder class action litigation, it will. We'll see these claims, right? There's going to be, um, you know, significant redemption issues for people who are making these investments in these facts. We're going to, you know, the proxy issues opens up, a, you know, this an enormous litigation exposure because of the number of disclosures that are made. And every disclosure is going to be, you know, carefully analyzed under a microscope after the fact, right? Monday morning quarterbacking of the accuracy. And we're, and we're going to see those kind of claims come in. So I think the underwriters are correctly worried. And, and I think our clients and, and people and companies utilizing these facts are correctly um, exercising caution. Because you know the good news with a SPAC, and I think one of the reasons that will the litigation will never explode as 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 it has a shareholder class action litigation, is you know the business judgment rule is going to be an enormous hurdle here, right? And when we talk with clients and and SPACs, right, that's something to keep in mind. It's the business judgment rule that is valuable, and courts do not want to just insert their judgment in. in replace of that of the boards, but it, it requires a, a, a high degree of business judgment to be exercised um, on these defenses. So, you know, this is something that, um, you know, the, the three of us, I, I know, have talked about and, and we're spending a lot of time on this and we will continue to spend a lot of time on this, analyzing the exposures and, and making predictions so that we, these policies that, that our clients are purchasing on these risks perform when these you know, these evolution of claims from the plaintiff's bar come about. Steve, maybe we could just spend a couple of minutes talking about um, so, some changes in, in, in potential regulatory exposures, right? So we obviously know that there's um, there's an anticipated change in, in guard in Washington, um, you know, over the last, you know, call it three or four years, it, it seems like the regulatory environment has, has lightened up a, a little bit uh, under the current administration. Um, now there's obviously, you know, uh, thoughts and concerns that some of that may come back. And, and certainly, as we know, um, in many cases, whether it's under a, an asset management policy or, or other uh, types of policies, there, there is, you know, coverage uh, potentially for, for regulatory type issues. Well, have you given any thought to that? And, and how should we be guiding our clients relative to the value of, of that coverage and how they should be considering those exposures? Yeah, I mean, for sure, with the new administration coming in, there's going to be greater regulatory enforcement, right? I, I think everybody anticipates it. There are many, many of us who have been talking about this, writing about it. And, you know, the, the regulation and enforcement from um, the federal government has reduced over the four years of this administration. There's no doubt about it. And so we need to, and we are spending time thinking about looking at policies to make sure that as these regulatory enforcement actions and efforts and focus increase over the next four years, that we we are not going to be caught flat-footed and our clients won't be caught flat-footed. So that's a lot of what we, we're talking about um, is we, we must anticipate that enforcement, as everybody is promising, will increase and um, and you know our clients will be challenged and as a result be looking to their policies for the, the protection. 
That's a scary thought, right? Because the, the SEC's Division of Enforcement just released their fiscal year 2020 report with over 700 enforcement actions, 1,200 new inquiries and investigations, and an all-time record for disgorgement and penalties, right? Almost $5 billion. It's, it's insane to think about, you know, that, that even just to defend and respond to those types of inquiries is going to be costly for these companies, right? And, and uh, you know, we have the recent Supreme Court decision, the Lou decision, Steve. I would love to get your thoughts on that as well. That's also, I imagine, going to play a significant role in how the SEC imposes penalties and returns disgorge funds to investors. We haven't quite seen it play out yet uh, to that extent. There are a lot of points that that DNO insurance policyholders need to pay attention to with respect to that decision. No, certainly, right. That decision, you know, gave some roadmap and some authority to the SEC. Some some teeth. We've got to um, anticipate that this Biden administration is going to look to flex some of its ability to enforce remedies, um, fines, penalties, and remedies on companies to fulfill what what I think most of us are anticipating is going to be a perception that you know we we need to increase our efforts at enforcement and regulation. Um, even though, to your point, right, the SEC has really done a, a good job, even though we all anticipate there'll be more SEC um, enforcement and regulation, it, it, the SEC has not been sitting around doing nothing, right? They've been incredibly active over the last few years. Yeah, you know, and, and, and it's funny, Steve, you, you know, that's one of the big challenges that we have, right, is um, cl clearly the underwriters are paying attention to this data, uh, whether it's uh, this recently released data or the data that's released from from Cornerstone with regards to filings of security class action litigation. And unfortunately, in our business, right, as we all know, it's long tail business, right? So underwriters appear to be trying to, um, you know, build their war chests today for litigation or, or losses that they anticipate over the next two, three, four, five years. But it's really frustrating for clients who who, who look at it and say, well, why should I be penalized now for something that may or may not happen in the future, right? So it's just, it's a really interesting dynamic. And I think, um, you know, I think it's just something that we're going to have to continue to be out in front of, um, continue to tr provide as much transparency to our clients. Like I said, there's a lot of data uh, that's flowing throughout the industry right now with regards to to rates and how rates should be tracked and, and trends. And I, I think, unfortunately, that, that data is being shared at a very, very high level. And, and as we know, our goal and focus is to to differentiate our clients to to really not allow those macro level type uh, thoughts and decisions uh, impact e each of our risks, which which may, makes some more work for us sometimes. But I certainly think it's it's well worth it, and certainly a uh, a more rewarding way to manage risk for our, our clients. In, in, indeed, but let's just talk a little bit about what clients should expect between now, uh, the end of the year, and then obviously forward looking into into the first quarter and and, and into 2021. Yeah, so from from a claim perspective, you know, we have seen looking, you know, we've talked a lot about some of this securities litigation. We, we've seen a tick down in securities litigation this year, right? Is it pandemic cause? Is it um, either events or other indications that have traditionally drive um, shareholder class action litigation like restatements? And so, and so it's not clear exactly what is the, you know, favorable claims environment right now, right? We're, we're, you know, a little over a month from the end of the year, and we're about 100 shareholder class actions less this year than last year. Will will there be 100 in the last 
you know, 45 days? Yeah, I don't think so. So I, I think we'll we'll have, I'll say, a bit of a reprieve. But the bad news is it's still 300 shareholder class action suits. And, and when you when you take out um, some of the, you know, M&A litigation and you boil it down to, you know, cut some of the traditional shareholder class action litigation, there's still a lot, right? There's, you know, a lot, a lot of IPO litigation and a lot of shareholder litigation, a lot of foreign entity litigation. So, you know, from from a perspective of the you know, pressure on markets between now and, and next year, I don't I don't think we are in a situation where we can anticipate that carriers are going to, you know, look at this perhaps favorable trend, even though I wouldn't call it a trend since it's time of the pandemic, and you know, and start to relax a little bit. Um, you know, to your point earlier, I I think we'll continue to see. Carriers very nervous. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about the, the SPAC exposure and this explosion, right? Tenfold in five years of use of these special purpose companies. Those are those uncertainties are not things that are going to particularly drive um, carriers to relax and think that um, the market's softening and, and and let's give some relief. And I think from a placement standpoint, Ron um, and then Steve, clients should recognize as as we talked about on the last podcast that. This harder market was reinforced by the competition and the influx of capacity over the past 10 years. And, and the underwriters are showing discipline. We as, as brokers and our clients should expect to see the same stance from underwriters until we get to a point where they either feel more comfortable, you know, loosening those terms and conditions, or we get additional capacity into the marketplace that's going to try to compete. And I think until then, we know the game plan, we know the playbook, right? To put it into a, a Chappelleism, right? We need to get with our clients early and often and go through the process and ensure that we're differentiating risk the way that we can. And that's why we're all here in a line. That's why our specialty approach works in this market in particular, and why um, you know, a lot of the things that we're seeing in the broader marketplace, uh, at least within our own book, you know, we look at our set of clients and say, okay, we're experiencing, we're riding through this market together, but we're blown away by some of the other um, disclosures that are released by other brokers about the, the price increases that they're seeing. Because our ability to truly differentiate risk is providing our clients with more favorable results than what we're seeing in the marketplace. And that's, that's you know, paired with conversations with, with underwriters, prospective clients, with our actual clients, and, and it's just a, a reinforcement of, of our specialty approach. Listen, I, I will say, um, Steve, I, I realize we're, we're into day four and uh, you probably already have a, a million sort of things on your list of, of agenda items. But one of the things that makes me really excited um, uh, and one of the many things that you bring to the table and, and we'll bring to our, our clients is um, the research that you do on this stuff. Um, I, I know a lot of our clients don't have the uh, time or capacity to to dig into cases and litigation and to really understand sort of what's driving uh, behaviors, whether it's, uh, you know, relative to, to their insurance renewals or, or, or other type of risk factors. So I'm, I'm really excited for for what you are going to bring to to our team and, and to Alliance clients uh, when, when it comes to that type of analytics and, and research. Yeah, agreed, Ron. And it's, it's, it's clearly one of the things that attracted me to Alliance is the Commitment and actually the resources to um, do exactly what you just described, right? You're, there, you know, there's an impressive team here of claims and legal talent um, that you know, I'll, I'll be working with who are very, very well versed in these legal developments and, and, and excited to make these contributions on 
research and analysis of these exposures because it's a big deal and we see it all day every day the platform here at Alliance is going to allow us to really deliver this kind of detailed legal and claims analysis you know, I, I speak for Ron as well as everyone else at Alliance Specialty. We're, uh, again, thrilled to have you with us. We look forward to um, continuing to grow our business, to differentiate our uh, approach uh, to clients and prospective clients, and, and to welcome many more insurance brokers, claims professionals, and, and people who just want to um, help make a difference for their clients in this difficult market into our fold in the coming months. We, we look forward to the next opportunity where we can have a conversation provide some advice and and uh, some help through through this crazy market that we're in. And, and we look forward to doing it with you. And for, for uh, additional information, please go to our website at www.alliant.com. Look forward to the next opportunity to speak with you. Thank you, everyone.